This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Reckless speculation from the TCL Broadcast Studios. You're listening to Mackie and Judd, TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Welcome back to the final hour, hour number three of this three-hour extravaganza, 1500 ESPN, 1500ESPN.com. It's the Mackie and Judd Show. Those guys are out. I am in. My name is Darren Doogie Wolfson. We'll get to Mike Gensel on the NHL in about 10 minutes. But joining us now on the NBA, former Nets assistant general manager. He now does great work for ESPN. It is Bobby Marks. Bobby, I appreciate your time. I hope all is well. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing just fine. All right, let's start with... Your viewpoint on the Wolves, 16 and 18 through 34 games. Heck, in the East, they might be, who knows, top eight, top nine, top 10. In the West, unfortunately, they are in 13th place. What is your view of the Wolves so far? Yeah, I mean, I think you hit it right in the head. I think if you're in the, um, if you're in the Eastern Conference, you're in that, that next tier of teams fighting for that, you know, that six to eight range. I think in, in the Western Conference, how the, the, the teams are stacked up, I think it's a, I think it's an uphill battle, you know, really try to get into that, um, you know, seven, eight seed just because of the teams in front of you. Um, I don't know if this team as constructed can go on a, um, can go on a run where you're, you know, winning five in a row or six in a row or even doing something like Utah did, um, a year ago when I think they went 33 and, and 19 here. So, I mean, I think you see the good in the Oklahoma City win the other night where, you know, you probably see the best of Andrew Wiggins and then, you know, then, uh, you know, a couple of nights before that, you you know, you go down to San Antonio and lose by by twenty six. So I think, I think in all, I think that the goal is probably to, um, you know, besides your younger players here, you know, you're gonna you're gonna compete every night with this group here. But I, I just think it's it's going to be you know them, um, New Orleans, um, Dallas, probably Memphis will probably slide back. Those are the teams that will you know you'll they'll compete every night. But I think it's it, to, to get into that top eight, it's going to be a challenge. Do you think the Wolves might be that next West team that does slide back? I mean, okay, Phoenix, not in the mix. But then the other 14 teams in the West, I mean, they're all separated by, what, nine in the loss column. So whether it is New Orleans, the Wolves, Memphis, maybe somebody else, who's the next West team to drop off? Well, I think it's going to probably be New Orleans, and I think you've already started to see them. They, you know, they've lost five in a row here, and they, you know, it's a team that's, a, he's got a lot of pressure on him based on the future of, uh, of Anthony Davis here. Um, I think they still could be buyers when we get to the, to the February, um, you know, February 7th trade deadline. Um, uh, been decimated with injuries with Alfred Payton and, uh, Nicole Mirtich. Um, so yeah, I think they're kind of, they're, they're that team that's probably going to fall back closer to maybe where Phoenix is right now. Um, maybe not, not to that extent, but, I think when you when you look at teams like San Antonio that's moving up in in the you know in the, in the race here, um, you're still we're still waiting for Sacramento to fall back, but they haven't yet. Um, so I and I I think Portland's kind of hit or miss, but I think if you're asking me, probably New Orleans is that team that kind of slides all the way back out of this. 
Bobby, how good are the Denver Nuggets? Because they're sitting atop the West right now. They're kind of tied with Golden State in terms of just uh, they're both 10 games over 500, but the Nuggets are ahead of them in percentage points. But how, how good is Denver? Well, they're they're good and they're young, and they're and they've been hit really with the injury bug too. And the kind of you know to be twenty one and eleven, I know they've lost the last um, the last two games here without you know Gary Harris and Will Barton and um, you know Paul Millsap's been out. Um, you know Isaiah Thomas has been out for the whole year. Their their draft pick Michael Porter Jr. hasn't played. Uh, they they play really hard for Mike Malone defensively, one of the better defensive teams here, and I think they've gotten a. They've gotten really a lot of good production out of um, out of Monte Morris, their backup point guard, who was on a two-way last year. So, yeah, I mean, you're waiting for them to kind of – we thought maybe they would be that team in that six to eight range who would have a lot of pressure on them based on being the kind of the bridesmaid the last two years. But I don't see this Denver team going anywhere. Now, the interesting thing is now we can we get closer to – you know, March, April, and we get into the into the playoffs for a team that's you know besides I guess Millsap um, is really not battle tested. You you have a lot of young kids. This is a team that's you know top three, top four in the NBA in in, in average age here. On the Warriors, twenty three and thirteen. I mean, heck, anytime they lose one game, Bobby, people start to panic. I mean, are you panicking if you're the Warriors? I mean, where do you stand on Golden State? I'm not panicking just because of the body of work the last four years, but I don't know if we've seen this at this extent right now. And I think, I think a lot of it has to do with, um, you know, when you have a high payroll in your luxury tax team, you've, and I, and I saw it in Brooklyn and New Jersey, you've got to hit on your draft picks and you have to hit on your tax mid level. And, you know, DeMarcus Cousins been, has been out rehabbing, so you haven't seen anything, um, from him yet. Uh, Jacob Evans, their their first round picks has, has been back and forth to the G League, and I, and I equate it to you have um, regular season depth and playoff depth. You know, playoff depth is when you have seven or eight players that you know you go deep with your five starters and with Iguodala, Livingston, and and you know maybe you throw Jonas Drepko in there. Where your regular season depth, you're you're pretty thin here. You know, you haven't got really much from Queen Cook, um, Sean Livingston, and Andre Iguodala kind of shown their age a little bit. And it's a grind during 82 games, so I, I am not, you know, I'm not ready to, to panic with this team just because they've kind of proven a lot of us wrong in, in, in the past here. But yeah, I think there are some signs where if it's Clay, can Clay figure it out? Is it Draymond? Is, is age starting to kind of creep up to, to Draymond Green here? You know, what you're going to get with Curry or Thompson here, and and I mean, this West is probably as good as it's been in in, in recent years. And you've now we've we've getting, you know, we see Houston kind of come back to the pack here too. I completely forgot about McCall. Did I see that he signed an offer sheet today with the Cavs? Did yeah. the Warriors did, match that? Yeah. Well, he signed a two-year and six million dollars. It's a non-guaranteed offer sheet. It's hmm. three million per. Um, you know, he. It's an interesting case because here's a player that was offered, I think, two years, five point three million this um, offseason. The first year, I believe, was guaranteed. Um, so Cleveland uh, gave him an offer sheet. Uh, Golden, uh, Golden State will have two days to match. It's a huge cap. It's a huge tax hit if they. If they match it, they'll, they'll have about ten day or ten to twelve days to figure figure out what they want to do with them if they do match because January seventh is the cut date. But if they keep them, you know, you're talking about another eleven million dollars to um, to that tax bill, and we don't know wow. where Patrick McCall's been right now. I, tell, I mean, I guess basically what it's going to be is it's going to be an it's going to be a tryout period for the next two weeks here, and I think Cleveland can take a flyer on him based on where they are with their roster, but. Um, it's a big number if you're Golden State. Um, based on, it's not like you can bring them in your building and ask them to work out for you. You're probably got, you're going on blind faith, and it's really a, 
a player from all indications that really doesn't want to be in Golden State. You know, we, if he did, he would have signed that contract probably uh, earlier this summer. Is Philadelphia a team now that they have Jimmy Butler and, and we're kind of well into that, that uh, Jimmy Butler, Joel Embiid sort of tandem and Ben Simmons and in there too, obviously. Is Philadelphia a team in your mind that can make a run to the finals? Are they, with, with Jimmy Butler now, are they equipped to do that or do they need a little I, bit more? I think they need a little bit more. They scare me a little bit. I think that that fourth quarter and in overtime and that um, that Boston game on Christmas Day. I think yeah. when and I said it, you know, but when Ben Simmons is kind of very tentative, I think there's a ceiling on you know this team is capped as far as how far he can go. Because you take Simmons out of the mix, then you were really relying on on JJ Redick, you, you know, of course Butler and Bead, um, and kind of who is that, you know, who is that next guy here? So I mean, last night in Utah, I mean that's probably as good as a, of a performance that you are going to get. But I do think that depth is is thin right now. Um, you know, you're relying a lot on TJ McConnell. Um, you know, I thought Markel Fultz was certainly going to be the X factor going into the year, and we're kind of waiting to figure out what's going to happen with him. Um, so, yeah, I do think they need a, a, one more guy. I, I don't know if you're going to be as fortunate that the Marco Bellinelli or the Ersan Ilyasova players that were bought out last year are going to be waiting for you. Um, if they are, then you know that help probably won't come until after the uh, after the trade deadline. It's 511 here on 1500 ESPN. We're talking with ESPN's Bobby Marks, former Nets assistant general manager. Manny? Yeah, Bobby, on Ben Simmons specifically, too, I mean, he's got to find a way to, to develop a shot outside of 10 feet, right? I mean, that seems to be the one thing that's holding him back, and, and, and it seems like that's, if there is going to be something to, aside from the depth for Philadelphia, that's going to, that's going to hold them back, too, because you get to the playoffs and teams are going to, teams are going to, Pack the paint against Ben Simmons. They're not going to let him drive and and dare him to hit outside shots. No, you're right. And I, you know, I was fortunate to to be in New Jersey when we had Jason Kidd. And you know, I think Ben is certainly a bigger version of Jason. But the one thing that Jason developed over time was his jump shot. You know, and and he wasn't a liability on the on the offense offensive end. And, and Jason down the stretch was not afraid to take the big shot. You know, make or miss. And I think. There were so many times in that Boston game, and there's been times throughout the year where he, you know, there's, you know, either there's not a, he's not comfortable. And I, and I heard a quote last night watching the game, you know, where Brett Brown said he, he worked on it during the offseason, you know, and, and he's trying to, you know, um, you know, explain to Ben that, you know, what you do in the offseason has got to translate to when we start playing regular season games. So why not, you know, show off as far as, you know, your mid-range game. I'm not saying, you know, shoot five or six threes a night, but yeah, I think that is a, um, that's, as I mentioned before, it is a liability when we get into the postseason because I think the, I think the game changes a little bit where it gets a little bit slower. Bobby, are you shocked that we're 10 minutes into a conversation and I haven't asked you about Anthony Davis to the Lakers? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of, um, I think I knew we were going to get there eventually, just based yeah. on where New Orleans is as a team. You know, the future of Davis, him being represented by the same agent as LeBron James. Um, I do not see anything happening before the um, the trade deadline in uh, in the next six weeks here, just because I think the team that maybe has the most assets, Boston, you know, cannot acquire him based on the the rookie designated rule with Kyrie Irving being already that one player here. I think the Davis situation will unfold when we get into the off season, where you know he's going to have to make a decision. He's super max eligible. I know there's been a lot of stuff written written about him maybe taking a short term deal and and parlaying that into you know bigger money down the road. But 
it's hard to turn down $239 million when you're giving them a blank check. But I understand him if there's some hesitancy as far as where this roster is. But I think that Davis' situation will be resolved probably right around the draft, um, probably into maybe the first week of July, where if it's, you know, if he's, if he is asking to be out, um, then if you're New Orleans, then you probably have to look out for the best, um, the best, uh, deal. But yeah, I mean, the, the, the Supermax that was implemented, uh, in the new CBA in 2017, I, the intent was good, but players are smart these days. Agents are smart. Whether you can figure out where you can parlay shorter money, um, maybe going somewhere else into a bigger, bigger contract down the road. On the trade deadline, okay, so Davis isn't going anywhere, but do you anticipate a busy trade deadline with it approaching in early February and piggybacking on that? If you were Tom Thibodeau now, I don't think Tibbs is throwing in the towel, but he's got Taj Gibson as an expiring contract. Heck, Derrick Rose is expiring. Jared Bayless, Anthony Tolliver. If you were the Wolves, how active would you be? I think, you know, it's interesting. When you look at where we are now, I think the landscape is going to be a lot different a month from now because – I think teams will eliminate themselves. I think there are a lot of teams holding on to the thought that they are going to be a playoff team, and I think this will start to see separate where maybe a team like Dallas, who is a buyer right now, will probably be a seller when we get to, 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 um, to early February. And I think Minnesota is interesting because, of you, yeah, you're right, you do have a lot of expiring contracts, expiring contracts that have value, you know, with – uh, with Taj, as you mentioned, uh, Anthony Tolliver, I think has value, even though his, his role has been reduced. You know, Derek certainly having uh, you know a sixth man of the year type uh, you know year, and mm-hmm. he's but he's got veto power on any in the trade here. So, oh yeah, good point. I think you kind of take a wait and see. I don't think you're really willing to cut bait just to maybe get a future second round pick here if it makes sense, and you're getting back a player that maybe has some years that can help the roster. Then I think you um, you examine that, but. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of teams are calling Minnesota because they are probably maybe that one team that um, that could be a seller when we get when we clo- get closer to the deadline. We'll leave you at this tonight at Target Center. The Atlanta Hawks take on the Wolves. Trey Young, he's almost forgotten. I don't want to say he's forgotten, Bobby, but you know with Doncic, with Aiton, with so many other rookies playing so well, Trey of the Hawks is sort of a forgotten entity, and he's pretty darn good. He, he is. He, you know, he's had a lot of. He hasn't really had one of those wow moments. You know, I know early in the year at Cleveland, um, he put up big numbers. Um, I think it was the first or second week of the season. But he hasn't had that, you know, that Doncic moment, that Jaron Jackson Jr., even that DeAndre Eaton moment where, you know, a string of games here, um, he's really struggled shooting the ball. His assists are up high. You know, I think he's close to eight assists per game here. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he, he's kind of the forgotten guy, and he's going to be the player for a long time that we're going to probably, when we talk about Luka Doncic, we're going to line up and because that, they were part of that uh, part of that trade. But mm-hmm. it, it's, it's growing pains. I mean, you guys have seen it with, you know, some of you with, with Andrew, with Carl during the last three or four years where, um, you know, I think we would probably be getting towards the end of Trey Young's basketball season at Oklahoma right now. <laughs> you know, we're 30, 30 uh, to 35 games in here, so – um, but he is he is a guy that can come in and give you a 25, 30 a night. But I think he's, he's tending more trying to be more of the setup guy than being more of the, the scorer right now. But I'm, I'm not real concerned about, about Trey Young. Bobby, thank you. Happy New Year. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. That's the voice of ESPN's Bobby Marks. Does a fantastic job analyzing the NBA former Nets assistant general manager. Mike Gensel on the NHL right around the corner. But first, we get to hear from our friend... Josh Arnold. Mackie and Judd are back. Please. 
continue. On 1500 ESPN. All right, quick check on traffic here. 94 westbound, we still got that crash on uh, near, near Minneapolis between Highway 55 and 35W. Uh, it's starting to speed up a little bit. It's now down to about a five-minute delay. Also, 494 eastbound, we got a crash near Edina between uh, Normandale Boulevard and France Avenue. Uh, it's causing a two-minute delay there. So, uh, otherwise, everything else moving around uh, about as expected around the metro area, Doogie. Thank you, Manny. We transition from NBA talk to hockey talk. Joining us now here on 1500 ESPN, 1500ESPN.com. Some know him as Jake Gensel's dad. To me, he is Mike. It is Mike Gensel. Mike, great to catch up. Well, great to be with you, Doogie. Some people call you Darren, and I call you Doogie. <laughs> as long as you don't call me what Sid Hartman calls me, it's all good. I can promise you that. How is life? He probably calls me. Yeah, it is. Trust me. Yeah, it's not a real nice word. There's, there's no doubt about that. Although it's a term that, you know what, for Sid, it means he loves us, right? If he's calling us that, he absolutely loves us. All right, Mike, how's, yeah. how's the transition? I mean, all your years of coaching... You're not coaching anymore. You're scouting. You scout for the Arizona Coyotes. How's the transition handling, you know, and everything in, in your professional life? How's it How's it holding up for you? It's been great. You know what? Uh, first year I haven't coached in 32 years, and uh, quite honestly, I haven't missed it that much. Uh, you know, I didn't know how to think I'd react in uh, in October uh, when I uh, when I wasn't behind the bench anymore. But, you know, really the, re- the last few years, uh, as much as I enjoyed coaching, uh, I really liked the, play- the practices and Monday through Thursday were great. Uh, you know, there's a lot of stress on Fridays and Saturdays, obviously, and stuff. And I, I don't miss that aspect of it. Uh, I really like what I'm doing, and I-, I had a good chance to get into pro hockey, and this is what I really want to do. And it's just fascinating every night to watch the best players in the world go at each other and um, to travel around the United States and be in these NHL rinks and, and see you know, pro hockey at its highest level. And, you know, it's just been really fun to watch. So are you strictly then just a pro scout? And, and what are your other duties? Like I saw that you guys, the Arizona Coyotes, made a minor trade today. Do you have your fingerprints on a transaction like that? Well, what we do on the pro side is we, you know, we each have teams in a region. I have four American League teams and six NHL teams. And what we are doing is following around our 10 teams throughout the year. We have to see them each play a minimum of three times a month, uh, write reports. You know, we have a target list of guys that we kind of look at uh, that would fit with us. Uh, you know, and so we, we, we travel around and watch. I have to write at least one report on every one of my players in the first three months of the season, uh, submit video clips on why I'd want to acquire a player uh, at either the American or the NHL level. So it, it's a lot of work, and they've also got me, uh, because of my experience college over 20 years uh, watching some college free agents and trying to submit some video on some guys that you know maybe we would be interested in uh in signing at the end of the season as free agents to kind of fill in uh you know for our gaps and our drafting over the years and stuff so you know hopefully we can you know be on top of that market as well all right on jake on your son he signs the big contract what yesterday i mean what's left for him to accomplish mike i mean you think about him hoisting the cup setting all sorts of playoff records his rookie year. Now he gets the big contract. I mean, he's done it all at such a young age. 
Well, he's been very fortunate. I mean, obviously, he's only 24 years old, and to, to have everything that's happened to him in the last couple of years has been remarkable. And, you know, I look back to, you know, when he was a high school senior, going to be a senior, and decided he was going to pursue junior hockey and try to advance his career. Uh, he's made a lot of good decisions over the years, and I think that was one of the best decisions he made, and it really helped uh, him get his level of hockey at a higher standard and really helped him. I mean, obviously, you know, as a parent, I'm happy for Jake. I mean, he's always been maybe, like I guess, too small, too slow, not strong enough, whatever it may be. You know, he's a coach's kid, so he gets more opportunity, that kind of stuff that goes along. But he's overcome a lot of that, and he's really battled, and uh, he's, you know, driven and motivated. And I've been lucky to play with really good coaches when he when he was in high school and, and in through juniors and into college hockey and now on the pro level. So it's really helped him. And uh, he's very fortunate he's in a good organization that gave him an opportunity for 40 games into his minor league career and uh, put him with players that you know he, they thought he could play with and he's taken advantage of that opportunity and to, to have what happened here the last couple of days where you know they present an offer like they did uh, made it pretty easy for us to give Jake a nudge to say hey this is a pretty good situation so you know as it is I mean you, it's once that's another step and obviously now you have to live up to that and then you have to continue to develop and hopefully take your game to another level you know i think most players at 24 think that you know they're going to play for another eight nine ten years which means obviously there's hopefully another contract and his horizon down the road but you know take it as it comes and see where this goes safe to think safe to say that the way you the way your wife raised jake that that the big money contract won't change him one bit I don't think it will. Um, obviously, I think, you know, he's still young enough when I look at him on a daily basis to maybe understand that he doesn't quite know, you know, what's ahead of him. I, mean, I think he's been smart, uh, even when you go from, you know, being a college student to all of a sudden being able to be a pro player, whether it's the American League, or the NHL, and have money in your pocket. I, I haven't seen, you know, any big expenses and things like that. I mean, I think we're pretty grounded, humble people come from, you know, pretty simple backgrounds in the Iron Range to, to raise our kids to realize that, you know, money isn't everything and, you know, happiness and, you know, working hard and, you know, having the right values are as important as anything. And I think that that's the one thing that Jake will understand. He's surrounded by a lot of people that will keep him extremely grounded and uh, extremely humble. Um, and hopefully, you know, he can just take advantage of the opportunities ahead of him and continue to, to play well and continue to develop. But I, I'm without a question, think that he will continue to work hard on a daily basis and live up to, you know, the opportunities that the Penguins have given him here with this signing and, you know, maybe uh, hopefully take his game to continued higher levels. We're talking about Mike Genso. All right, so you talk about, you know, him being able to play with, you know, great players. I mean, Sidney Crosby, go up and down the list. Great coaches, great organization, but what challenges were there for him to adjust so easily, so quickly? I mean, I would think that is not real easy when he's what 22 years old 23 and it just it happens snap of the fingers i mean you know what did you learn about your son as he transitioned to the penguins so easily well, I think that's a good question. I mean, obviously, you know, my wife and I went back and forth on it when he was deciding whether he should leave his junior year and uh, assign or come back for his senior year. And when we decided at that point that, you know, he needed to get an agent to get, you know, more of a professional advice opinion on, you know, the monies and the different types of things that go on with me in a pro, you know, it all kind of went hand in hand. But I think for us, the biggest thing was seeing him go into an organization. I, I still remember, like it was yesterday, when the assistant general manager sat us down and, and said, here's that we think Jake will be on and um, you know playing in Wilkes-Barre and 
for a level of time or amount of time and, you know, what the level of players he was going to play with and what they thought of him and when they brought him up to where they thought he might fit in their lineup. And, you know, it was to the letter. I mean, they, it was exactly like it, they laid it out in front of us and it happened along those timelines. And, you know, it's obviously up to him at that point to make the most of the opportunities. I mean, you can get a chance and now you have to prove that you can continue to develop with that opportunity you got. And so I think the biggest thing for Jake was he was able to go to Wilkes-Barre and learn the professional side of the game, you know, how to eat, how to eat, how to sleep, how to rest, how to prepare, how to practice every day, how to play, you know, three games in four nights or three games in three nights that you have to and to be a pro and stuff. And I think that's the biggest thing. I mean, he's been lucky. I mean, what more could you ask for to, to walk into an NHL locker room and see the level of players he's at uh, with that he plays with in Pittsburgh and then to sit and dress every day next to Sidney Crosby and, and have that guy – I guess in your ear and talking to you and mentoring you on, you know, how hard you have to work and how to prepare and how to handle certain situations. I mean, I've been on planes with those guys on the father's trips and you just see the, the professionalism and the whole organization from top to bottom that you know that these kids are in good hands and, you know, they're, they're getting great advice and how to, you know, not only from, you know, management or whatever, to, but to the players, I mean, who've been through it that are leaders and, um, you know, are mentors to these young guys. On the Wild, I mean, have you gotten a chance to see the Wild much? And, heck, five straight losses. Worst team in the NHL. Hard to believe, but worst team in the NHL since November 12th. They are free-falling. Yeah, you know, the Wild are one of my teams. I mean, I have to see them quite often, and I have seen them a lot. And, you know, obviously, uh, you know, I think they've gone, you know, where the start of the season wasn't what they thought it was it was going to be and then they played very very well for a fairly lengthy stretch and now have really hit a tough uh, patch here and I think it's obviously you know the league is so good Doogie I mean that's the one thing when you're around I mean you realize you know how fast things can go up or down I mean the league is so good there's so many good players I mean you know I listen to radio shows leaving the wild game and people are criticizing this guy or that guy or how could they lose I mean I remember driving home the other night and people were upset that they lost a San Jose. I mean, San Jose has one of the five best rosters in the NHL. They have high, high end players in the mm-hmm. NHL. And, you know, everybody does. And, I mean, that's the way the business is. There's 31, going to be 32 teams. These are the best players in the world. They're paid well to win. And they, I mean, the management, the coaches, they're the best in the business. I mean, the Wild has good pieces. It's obviously very difficult. And, you know, the one thing is that you realize when you go to a game at the X, it's always a fun place to play for the visitor. So you're going to get their best game. And, you know, you got to be on top of your game. But it's a tough spell right now. Not having Dumbo will, will hurt them a little bit. But, I mean, obviously, uh, I think they've always proved that they could get out of a hole. Um, nobody likes to see them in that hole that they seem to get into on a regular basis. But I think they'll get out of the hole, and uh, they'll still be in there. I mean, as, as doomsday as it looks right now, I looked this morning, what are they, three, four points out of the playoffs? Yeah, four. I mean, that's that. Yeah, four points. That's a two-game winning streak. I mean, so it's just one of those things. You go into Winnipeg tomorrow, and all of a sudden you beat them, and people are saying, hey, you know what? We just beat one of the best teams in the NHL. You can get back on track really, really, really quick. So it won't take long, and you just have to win, you know, two, three games in a row and have a good week or have a good two weeks, and you go from out of the playoffs to in the playoffs. I'll leave you with this. I mean, deep down, you bleed maroon and gold. I mean, you're the ultimate M-man. So are you able to still pay attention or is it hard? I mean, those are your guys, right? I mean, those are your players with the Gophers. Plus, heck, you're in an NHL rank or an AHL rank, you know, many nights a week. But are you able to pay attention, figure out what the Gophers are doing here early this season? You know what I watched? Relatively early. 
Yeah, I mean, I follow the scores on the weekends. I don't follow it as much. I mean, I couldn't tell you what the points are on the players on the team or whatever. I, you know, I care about the guys, obviously, as you said. I mean, I have really good relationships with a lot of those guys. I mean, I run into a lot of guys now in my business and the pro level at the American League and NHL that, you know, are golfers. And, you know, I'm happy to see those guys play. And they're always asking, you know, about the team and the program or whatever. There's always, you know, there's communication about it. But I haven't followed it as close just because, quite honestly, I've been gone so much and I've been watching and kind of diving into this pro thing so hard. But I'll, I'll probably see a little bit more here the second half as I watch uh, some college free agents and try to, you know, pick on some video. And obviously the Gopher games are all on TV, so it's easy to go to the website to pick their video of an opponent that maybe I need to cut some clips out on. So I'll probably see them a little bit more. I think I've maybe seen um, maybe probably three, three-and-a-half periods of hockey this year that they've played. So hasn't been real uh, a lot, but, uh, you know, it's enough to know that, geez, I sure wish that people would uh, get back in Mariucci and start going to games. I mean, that's hard to watch and hard to see when you see so many empty seats in there, and that's what's really disappointing as much as anything. I mean, is it the ticket prices? Is it more than that? I mean, why are there so many empty seats? Well, I think it's a big part of it. I mean, obviously, uh, and I've been there for as many years and probably could speak to it as much as anybody over the years of being there for 25 years as a player and a coach. I mean, I think, it, you know, the price point is definitely an issue. I mean, it's a very, very competitive market here, and we have four high-end professional sports. I mean, or, you know, I mean, we got a major league franchise in a lot of different areas. I mean, it's the money is, is tight, and I, I think you have to, to look at prices and, you know, game times. And, you know, there's nothing we're going to do about the schedule and the WCHA and the Big Ten and all that. It is what it is right now. And you still get those good teams to come into the buildings. but And people will never get over that. But, I mean, I think you have to target a different, you know, price point. you got to target a different uh, clientele, so to speak, to come into those games, get more youth people there. I mean, you got to get back due to the days where a kid got uh, a Woodbury High youth hockey game or a, a, up north in International Falls is dying to be a gopher again. And I think you got to reach out to that younger group again and get those people excited, starting with youth hockey and, and uh, you know, develop in that uh, that relationship again because we have so many good programs in Minnesota right now and, and in, in those areas of the state I mean everybody's got a division one program they can root for so somehow some way the Gophers got to you know take it back over here so to speak in the state Gopher great current Arizona Coyotes pro scout Mike Gensel Mike happy new year all right Doogie all the best always good to talk with you Mike Gensel one of my favorite people in the sport of hockey when we come back we'll do a little bit on the conundrum known as Jeff Teague but first we hear from Manny Hill. Yes, well, programming note very quickly, Doogie, a little uh, little audible. I just got off the phone with uh, one Patrick uh, Royce. Yes, the rap with Royce were a couple segments away, right? Well, Pat needs to go a little bit earlier. Oh, that's fine. So we'll give Pat a little buzz, and uh, we'll wrap with Royce yeah. a little bit earlier, one oh, segment I'd love earlier to. When, when we come back here. So The Mackie and Judd Show will continue in a moment. So long, losers! On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd now continue. Well, here we are again. Yes. On 1500 ESPN. All right, this portion of Mackie and Judd, guest hosted by Darren Doogie Wolfson, is brought to you by Lucky's 13 Pubs, 520 Cities locations, and you can find them online at luckys13pubs.com. Doogie? It's time to wrap with Royce a little bit earlier. Patrick, hello. Did I see correctly? Did I have to rub my eyes a few times, but did I see on Twitter correctly earlier today that you're thinking about being positive pat 
in 2019? Well, I'm, I'm trying to decide whether I should remain prickly pat or uh, positive, become positive pat or kind of alternate them. And I, I, the, 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 the groundswell seems to be prickly pat. Well, yes, right. Isn't that a blow-up? Yeah. That's what they expect. Uh, so anyway, I gave them the option. And some guy said, you know what prickly pat should do? Kill positive path. <laughs> <laughs> I love I it. Was a, which I thought was a little strong, anyway. So we're going to uh, a wedding reception for a kid that we've known since he was about seven or eight years old, and he's now about 40, younger 40s, and he just married a young lady from uh, Thailand, I believe, mm. and uh, brought her back here for a reception. She was here earlier, but excuse me, there's the uh, car beeping. But uh, she brought... He brought her back this summer for her uh, uh, for a situation, and then now she's back. You think she'll want to move to Minnesota after being here for this uh, ice storm? <laughs> I, I got a hunch that uh, our guy Brendan is uh, is over there for life here, so uh, I don't think he's going to convince her to come back here. So. All right. Well, if he's over there, okay. So somebody you've known for you know what 30 35 years. What do you gift somebody that you've known for that long? That's a very big problem. I, uh, I don't think anybody, I don't think they'll be listening to this. So uh, when he was a kid at our pool, he damn near tore his foot off one day. And his dad was a lawyer and he didn't sue us. So I, I put 50, I put 50 bucks in and, and said, here, this is the 50 I owe you for not having your dad sue me uh, 35 years, 30 years ago. So. Uh, that is fantastic. That was, that was good. Anyway, that's what we're doing. So, uh, Coach Whalen's debut tonight is Wisconsin's not very good in women's basketball. All right, they are nine and three now. How they got to nine victories, I you know, I, I plead stupidity. I, I don't know, that's... but they have a respectable record. But yeah, I mean, you figure that Whalen's team will find a way to win at Williams Arena. And uh, they, uh, you know, the other thing is probably. Uh, if they played a schedule like uh, Whalen inherited from Marlene Stallings, it'd be a little hard to lose more than three, wouldn't it? What about the Syracuse win, though? That was pretty good, wasn't it? Yeah, that one in BC was okay, but man, why they played some dogs? I can't, uh, I can't remember the. It looked like a men's schedule from uh, from Clem's early years. You know? <laughs> yes. it, it was really or, or Patino's early early years. I give Patino credit; he tried to play somebody this year. I think that's. Is that about, of the new NCAA configuring? One thing they're trying to do is encourage uh, better uh, preseason games, right? Yeah, better, the net, uh, yeah, the net rating, games. yeah, highly encourages strength of schedule. Strength of schedule is a big deal. So, yeah, I mean, hard to know yeah. going into the year how good you know a Texas A and M or a Washington will be or a Utah. But yeah, I mean, Patino tried to to schedule some tough games. Yeah. And the team that played paid the price for that uh, last year was uh, Nebraska. You know they what they have twenty twenty one wins and then get in the tournament and said and, and what where they finish in the Big Ten they were like eleven and seven or something and didn't get in and that was they were punishing Nebraska for their horrendous uh, non conference schedule so I think it's great let's uh, and and let's start playing some of them on the road who's the guy who's the guy voting for AP who will not vote for any team even Duke or anybody else that does not play a true road game in the non conference part of the oh, I don't know who is that. There's there's one guy out there voting that you know an old time uh, basketball writer from some, some I read about it. Now people are outraged, but he's saying nope. If they don't play in neutral site, doesn't count. You got to play an actual road game in somebody else's gymnasium. 
before <laughs> this guy will vote for you. I think that's fantastic. That sounds like something Prickly Pat would do, doesn't it? Uh, speaking of Prickly Pat, uh, did you get any tweets today from Gophers fans saying, hey, the Gophers should have been in the Music City Bowl? I saw some tweets. This was the new thing for Gophers fans, some Gophers fans. Yeah. I don't want to single out all how, Gophers what, fans. How bad was it? It was a massacre, right? Purdue got killed. 63-14, to 14, Pat. It was Woo-hoo. a very... Very, uh, very boring second half, but Auburn hung 56 points on Purdue in the uh, first half. So that was the thing today, Pat. Gophers fans were mad at the Music City Bowl. Those folks in Nashville saying they bleeped up. They messed up taking Purdue over the Gophers. Well, uh, Gophers fans can't just be happy that they won a game. No. They've got to figure something to complain about. (laughs) I'll tell you one thing, though. This right tackle. Oof. Is he a monster? Yeah, I mean, yeah. he's 6'9", 400 what, pounds. He can dunk that? a basketball. Foul Lele, right? Yeah, Foul Lele. Yeah, that's how you say it. Foul Lele. Lele. Yeah, I mean, he is an athlete. In 2021, he is a top five NFL draft choice. He will go in the first five of the first round. Mm. Unless he gets hurt or pulls a muscle. He is a monster. Because he he's got decent feet, as you guys said. He dunks and stuff. And he's, I mean... That kid that was trying to get past him finally just gave up, basically. He just let him throw him around like a rag doll. And he did that the last three or four games of the year. He's uh, he's something. He's uh, that, is, that is quite a pickup. Your guy, PJ, can recruit. Got him from IMG Academy. Uh, yeah. Well, how come they didn't get any IMG guys this year? Well, he got Dunlap, too, last year. Did he get yeah, anybody from Annex IMG? Dad yeah, maybe he didn't. Annex Dad probably helped him get those guys. Huh? Yeah. Isn't that, wasn't that the legend that Annex Dad hoped to help, help him get those guys? Hey, whatever works, but, right? You're, yeah, uh, and, uh, I think he's only played football for like two years. Right? Yeah, I think it's two or three years. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. yeah. What a monster. Our our guy uh, our guy caller Pat he wants the uh, he wants Philip John Fleck to go after uh, Tyree Jackson the graduate transferring quarterback from Buffalo uh, for next year who's uh, actually really good I saw some highlights well yeah, I think good. he might have to beat out Wisconsin yeah because they got a they've had one quarterback in forty years and it was a one year graduate transfer Russell that's it yeah. Uh, yeah, this kid's supposed to be really good. Oh, he decided to bail Buffalo. Yeah, he's bailing. Yeah, he's yeah. in the he's Watch in the transfer or whatever it is protocol. Guy. Yeah, he's bailing from Buffalo, so he's going to land somewhere, and he'll be. Who's I mean, he kid, might be a first round uh, pick in 2020. Who's the kid from the SEC that uh, uh, that is uh, transferring out after one year, the five star? But he he wouldn't be eligible, right? But, well, uh, are you talking about the Clemson wanna... kid Bryant that ended up? Is he going to Missouri? No, no, no there's yeah, just Kelly Bryant's going to Missouri. There's another one that just just transferred out from down in the SEC because he's upset because he's not playing. Well, they're all upset, right? I mean, Notre Dame's backup quarterback is bailing, I mean, maybe as soon as Sunday if Notre Dame loses to Clemson. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, these kids, they don't play. They bail right away. Especially at that position, I think, uh, quarterback. Yeah, well, uh, Notre Dame's got a better one than Wimbush. But then if the guy gets hurt, then who are you going to bring in? If you're Alabama, you're going to bring in... Hurts. That's what you're going to do. Yeah. You're going to bring in a guy who started two uh, uh, championship games, but uh, nobody else is. Everybody else seems to bail, but I, I don't know what the deal is with Alabama. They don't lose anybody. 
you wouldn't come on the show yesterday because you couldn't come on the day after a Gophers Bowl victory. So I need to get your That's thoughts right, on. Right, yeah, yeah. I called you. You called me up and said you really you were crowded. <laughs> I said, "Good, I don't want to be on." <laughs> so I didn't have <laughs> a chance. Have to, yeah, I, I didn't have, have a to chance talk about this uh, magnificent bowl victory. Yeah, and we don't have to. We've but... never lost in Detroit. No, no, two yeah, and zero. Right. Yeah, beat Central although, Michigan, although beat Georgia this Tech. Was a little more impressive than. Winning a nail biter with Central Michigan, I'll say that. <laughs> hey, three bowl wins, yeah, in a row. So I didn't get a chance, Pat, to pick your brain on Boomstick. You a big fan of the Twins signing Boomstick? Yeah, what uh, you know? What it's funny. Uh, I saw Verducci doing a thing in November at the winter, maybe right before the winter meetings, on how Cruz is still because of these wonderful fundamentals he has as a hitter. He still got bat speed at age thirty-eight, and he was breaking down the swing and uh, showing how good it was. And, uh, you know, that when I saw that, I thought, well, you know, because there's not that they indicate he's slipping, right? No. I, I talked to Bob Dutton, who covered him for years in Seattle, buddy of mine. He says, now, he'll have two-week period when he's uh, swinging gate and everybody will be down on him. And he said and then he then he flips the switch and then he, then he hits everything for two weeks. So he's a, he's a typical power hitter, although much more consistent than most of them. Got to think he'll help the third baseman, too, help mentor the third baseman, we hope, right, Pat? That's what everybody's uh, thinking, that he is a, you know, he's a Dominican and he's a real mature guy, and he's gone through his troubles. He talks about how he uh, got popped for steroids, the younger players, and tells him not to make this uh, mistake he did. He never tested positive, but he was he was a biogenesis client, so, uh, and he got a 50-game suspension, so... But that was in 2013, and I guess he's been open talking about it, and he mm-hmm. talks to young young players about that, and uh, he doesn't he doesn't run and hide from it, so that's good. All right, Pat, tear up the dance floor tonight. Oh yeah, you know there is a dance, but uh, I'm not sure about uh, whether that's going to work out for the misses and I. But we'll we'll consider. Well, if you do end up in the dance floor, please have somebody capture some video. Okay. All right, Happy New Year, Pat. Patrick Royce, the wrap-up Royce. We'll actually wrap up the show when we come back. Can we get to the Jeff Teague talker for a minute or two, Manny, when we come back? All right, let's do that. We'll talk a little Jeff Teague after this. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Right now, get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton Shred. Accessories like non-slip grip resistance bands, a heart rate monitor, yoga blocks, and more. Take your workout to the next level with Peloton. Motivation that moves you. Hurry, this limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access memberships separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.